Hey guys, today's episode comes with a content warning for child neglect and abuse. Due to my guest's field of study and paired with some of the themes of the movie, we thought it would be best to make you all aware. We hope we discuss this topic in a respectful manner while also delivering the silly podcast you've come to expect. So please enjoy the show and check the podcast description for resources. Thanks! Child abuse? Stage suicide? Let's go to the movie, kids! We're talking Matilda on today's... We're not affiliated with Netflix. Welcome to Kidflix, the podcast where adults try to definitively rank every kid's movie ever made. I'm your host, Ross Wiseman, and this show is not for kids, so turn this off and sit in a seat on top of another seat because you're too short to reach the restaurant table. I was really <laughs> nervous that I wasn't going to be able to re- do that in one <laughs> breath, but I did it, so it's okay. And I'm going to introduce her because she's already giggling and stuff. And why, why keep her in the dark? It's... She's a friend. She's a comedian. Uh, we had Improv 201 together? Yeah, maybe. I think so. I don't sure. remember which one. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's Tess Lieberson. Hello. Hi. I, why did you have to say it all in one breath? That's... Because it, it flows nicely. I guess. <laughs> you, you you also saw when I did the beginning part where I just say welcome to Kid. Like I'm I'm like I'm in a trance. It's weird. I just stare off because I've said it so many oh, times. Oh okay. Now. So this is yeah. I gotcha. This is your stump speech. Yes. I just have to get it out of the way. <laughs> but I'm glad that you already brought up the child abuse because that was my first my first note was rampant child abuse mm-hmm. and how frequently that comes up in kids movies and it uh, doesn't cause any long term trauma thinking of Harry Potter as well. The kid is living under the stairwell and just like magically, untraumatizably grows up. What's really interesting <laughs> that Matilda does not have any... We're talking Matilda. Um, I forget. 1996 movie. Yeah. Written, directed, but not written, released, but directed. Released mere months after I was born. Oh, really? Yep. That Okay. It's I was the exact age she was when she when it came out. Whoa, how yeah. is that for you? Yeah, great. Well, I realized that's why I felt so identified to, with her is because I also have brown hair. I also like to read. Um, and that's... You are also not allowed to go to school a year and a half uh, until you're a half uh, later. No, but I, I think I just really identified with her and uh, felt like, oh, that's that's some good representation of, of a young girl. Are you are you screen. a big Roald Dahl fan? Well, looking at the other list of movies that people have talked about in this podcast, uh, The Witches and Willy Wonka, which I love both of those books and those movies. Yeah, I think I am. He like writes well for kids in these like magical worlds where there's like giants and also child abuse that doesn't amount to much in the end. <laughs> yeah, it, his <laughs> his worlds are just so kind of weird. It's like he he didn't go full complete insane. Right, and none of them exist in a real town or a real city. They're like like Willy Wonka. Unclear what country it is. Unclear what town this is. Yeah, uh, I was reading IMDb facts, and apparently there's something about New Jersey in here, but that a, yeah. is not New Jersey. No, it's not. It's it's just a place where kids and parents are always at odds, kids and adults, which is why the Miss Honey character is so wonderful, because she's, like, a good person. She's <laughs> such a good person. You know who turned down the role for Miss Honey? Who? Mariska Hargitay. Ugh, that, would that have been, like, the start of her career? I didn't... I wasn't aware of Law and Order yet. I don't 96. even know if it was around in 96. I don't think SVU had started yet. Okay. It's on like, what, 15 or 16 now? Something. It's I don't still know. going. She also probably was an actress before <laughs> yeah. Law and Order. Uh, probably. Why, why, so why hadn't you seen it until today, Matilda? I, I don't know. I think l- l- looking at it, um, 
kind of more objectively as an adult, I was watching it and remembered that just these kind of movies just weirded me out. <laughs> I was terrified of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang for years. Okay. Uh, You're going to mention a lot of movies that I haven't seen. so I You will, don't have to see Chitty 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 Bang Bang. <laughs> the main antagonist is a pedophile. Oh, okay. The like, car is a pedophile? Isn't the... No. Oh, no. <laughs> the, the car, car is the protagonist. Oh, okay. <laughs> isn't the, uh, no, no, there's an antagonist where it's basically like... He just rounds up children by offering them candy. Oh, no. And then Dick Van Dyke and I forget who the lady was. They have to go save them by pretending to be, um, like, dolls. Like, dolls that came to life. So all of these stories, there's an obvious antagonist. And the protagonist, this smart child, whoever it is, just has all of the skills and tools and coping mechanisms they need well, she to get out of so their situation. Much. What? Matilda read so much. She, she read probably so read much. a book about psychology and she's like, oh, this is my fault. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. The whole thing, I think, appealed to me because I considered myself a little gifted child. I remembered, like, falling asleep when I was eight and I was like, oh, man, I have the brain of a 40 year old and nobody's going to understand me until I'm 40. And I was like, also kind of proud of that so to see this to see this gifted child like pulling her books in the in the wagon i was like oh that's nice yeah <laughs> and then it's also you have you remember these thoughts that you had when you were little and you realize how dumb you were yeah like kids are so dumb but they have so much hubris yeah that it somehow <laughs> makes up for it yeah and it's it's remarkable that she has so much self-esteem for not having what's in freudian psychology is what's called a mirror to know that she is good. Like, children need to look up to... If parents are doing a good job, they present a good mirror to their children so the child does feel special and important so that they don't search for that special and importantness and, like, mm-hmm. bad relationships in the future and stuff like that, or drugs. But she uh, she doesn't have those mirrors and she still grows up well. Well, I guess really you could wonderful. say she had the lady of the library. <laughs> That's true. Who That that was her first... Uh, good... Her first good person. I don't, know, I don't know why that was, was... I think that was the most, the only memory I had of this movie, and I didn't realize it until I watched it. But when she's like, I could pick out one with a lot of pictures, if you yeah. like, no, I think I'll be fine. <laughs> uh, Mara Wilson, she's great. Yeah, she's cute. Um, the whole thing, and like all the little actresses look like her, which I hadn't noticed before. Like, yeah. it's the sort of thing I wouldn't have paid attention to at all when I was younger, because they all look Because you could have just you could have just slapped... A bow on any, any little, little brown haired girl, yeah. they would have all looked the same, yeah. Um, and I love that. And just the, just the, so I grew up in a family very different from Matilda. I have very, very like intellectual, very so like. So you just grew um, up in like a good home. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, like a good, a good family, they would say. And we read constantly, and it was like embarrassing if you didn't have a book around you. So that part I didn't identify with her. But, and on top of that, we didn't watch any TV but PBS and Jeopardy, which is why when you mention all these movies that maybe you saw on TV or something, I would have never seen them. So like to see this family where they watch TV all the time and they eat in front of the TV, which we were never allowed to do, like that to me was like the other America that I yeah. only heard about in movies. Well, it was weird. So for, we didn't have a TV in like the dining room or like the area, like any area that we would most likely be eating mm-hmm. except like the basement or whatever. But I remember... Um, in middle school, my middle school, we didn't have a computer room, so they rented us laptops. Mm. And uh, once we got laptops, my brother one day was like, "Oh, like what if we watched a, a TV show during dinner? Like I found this like 
weird it was like mega video when mega video was popular oh, it's like let's watch an episode of seinfeld on mega video yeah. and then that set my family off for years really that was the years. gateway drug was a rented laptop yeah so for years we would um have we would my brother or i would load an episode or two of seinfeld or something on the computer uh-huh. and we would uh watch that during dinner and so we had would like your a, parents watch it with you yeah okay. it was like a, it was a family affair okay and Good. the table wasn't quite big enough so it was you know it was a typical dining room table so three chairs and then because I was a little one, I brought. I had to bring over a step stool and I would sit on that. <laughs> so I identify a lot with Matilda. Okay, <laughs> we we would occasionally convince our parents to buy us TV dinners because we thought like the garish colors were. It is fun. It's exciting. Yeah, that's why they make them that color. But Jeopardy did end up being a gateway TV show because that would go on from seven to seven thirty, and at the same time was The Simpsons on Fox. So we would like switch during the commercials when our parents weren't in the room, and then that eventually led to just watching The Simpsons and then watching Seinfeld or Futurama, whatever came after. No, no, yeah, yeah. It, okay, yeah. so the I remember this. The weeknight lineup <laughs> on Fox. Are we in the same time? Like, you grew up where? New Jersey? Uh, I was in suburban family. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we would have been on the same Yeah, so TV Fox network. 29, of course. shout out. Um, <laughs> they, they had, the block was, I think, Simpsons, King of the Hill, yep. Simpsons, Seinfeld. Right. And then at one point they switched it to two Simpsons in a row and I was excited because I was like, I because I was a, a kid. Yeah. I was like, what is King of the Hill? I don't get it. <laughs> I did not like that one. Yet again, this was an example of culture that I like was like, that's not me. I don't, I'm not a hick. <laughs> like, I was so judgy for like a 10-year-old. I was, oh my God, I was so judgy too. I remember, and I take public transit all the time now. Yeah. Like, I take the bus, I take the subway, I take the train and whatever. But I remember as a kid feeling bad for people that took the train. I was like, oh, they don't have cars. Oh, I was the opposite because I would meet people, since I grew up in the city, I was taking it every day to school and back. I would meet kids like at camp who were from the suburbs who had never been on a bus. And I was like, oh, you're missing out on the urban experience. And then I like twiddled my way off to the lake or whatever where we were swimming. It was very like, I shouldn't I shouldn't have had these 40-year-old thoughts, these yeah. 40-year-old judgments. <laughs> no, I mean... I think you and I grew up in similar households where our parents yeah. were like, we're intellect. Like, yeah. we, I listened, we listened to NPR on car rides. All the time. All the time. I would listen to Terry Gross on Fresh Air at 3.30 and at 7.30. Like, both things. Because would, we would hear it when we went home from school and then when I went home from gymnastics, which ended at 7.30. It was, I heard a lot of interviews with, you know, important artists. <laughs> I'm, I'm like buddy-buddy a little bit with Terry. Really? Yeah. Well, I, and I interned for the, pa- the last eight months. With uh, WHYY that produces fresh air. Oh. And so, like, I would, like, walk by her office. Okay, She's so small. That's she, my favorite fact about her. Yeah. <laughs> She's tiny. So small. I listened to her interview with Mark Marin, and she talks about just how... She's, like, pocket-sized. That's Wait, was she, Mark Marin on fresh air, or was No, Terry... he was interviewing her in a Terry, WTF. Yeah. Terry was in the garage? No, no. It was at some, like, 92nd Street Y. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, she that is... She wouldn't go to the garage. She doesn't insane. leave Philadelphia. She does no, all of her she... recordings... Well, she also doesn't like being a public... She doesn't like appearing on camera. Right. Um, She's so small. Yeah. But in her, in her office, she has... And I've, I think I've said this a couple times on the podcast because it's so fun it's to me. It's eventually going to get back to her, you know? Just be like, oh, oh wow. Yeah, raw. I, <laughs> I can't do it, her voice, but... but Ross Weissman. No, the voice he says, fresh air. Yeah, oh, it's, uh, it's great. What's in her office? She has uh, a plush colon. Oh, Wow. 
I could see that. I could see her having fun desk trinkets that she guests does. have given to her over the years. Yeah, like when she was on uh, Fallon uh, a while ago, uh, like a couple months ago, she she had like the one cue card yeah. that she had to read. Um, also, sidebar, I'm pissed. They made her do a really dumb bit on The Tonight Show. Yeah. It was, did you see it? I think I did, and I remember not it even was, watching all of it because it was... It was like Jimmy was doing a monologue, and then Terry was like, Jimmy, sing Despacito. Ew. <laughs> She said it like that because yeah. she's like, I don't she, care. I feel like her agent probably really pushed her to go on that show and she didn't even want to. <laughs> well, last year was the 30th anniversary mm. of Fresh Air. So it was a it was a celebration. Well, listen to that Mark Maron one because you learn all about her childhood growing up and stuff. It's pretty cool. I love, she's a yeah. cool lady. What yeah. were we talking about before this? Uh, Matilda, child Oh, yeah, and, and just how we, we grew up very uh, smoothie. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> wait, real quick. I So you were a city kid. Yes. I was a suburb kid. I think both kinds of kids are super annoying. Yes. And sub- I continued to be a city teenager and then a city college student. City college student, yeah. I think, is all right. But I was, but then I would bring up the fact that I was a city kid to those who were like, mm. had finally made it to the city. And I was like, you don't even know the city. And then, of course, I meet kids now because I work in a school and they're like, way more city than I am. And it, they like, haven't seen a like, tree for five years. I'm they like, oh. walk down the street fearless. They're like, yeah, we're just going to go to this cool place. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the name? Why tell me about it. And they're like, you don't, if you have to ask, you can't even come. And I'm like, oh. Like I had a, like a nine-year-old give me directions one time <laughs> and it was embarrassing. Yeah. And then like me being a suburb kid, I grew up and I was just like, eh. <laughs> like, oh, my mom needs to pick me up. Yeah. I mean, I had a couple of those situations too. Uh yeah, so she lives in this... Well, I feel like a lot of adult movies, I've realized the city is a character. Like, wherever they are, like, you know it's Chicago. Well, that's a romantic comedy thing. It's yeah, I like, guess so. And then in, in these Roald Dahl movies, it's like, these kids are plopped down in a whole world, and that makes so much sense for a kid to enjoy, because we don't really know about our surroundings. Like, Yeah, we don't give a crap we about know. where we are. Yeah, and... Um, and it's... it's. I just am so inspired by her when I think about, like... How, how she grew up in such a tough place. Um, but you know what? She nailed it. She did She great. really did, yeah. my The second note that I wrote after rampant child abuse. So, full disclosure, I'm in grad school to be a therapist, so that's why I was watching all of this with, like, a psychologist. You had a notepad, and you are like, mm. Basically. Yeah, I was. And I wrote down early parentification, which is, like, at four and a half or whatever, and her mom's like, you have to take care of yourself now, which is, like, a typical thing that happens to children of neglectful parents is that they have to parent themselves and it usually ends up terrible because in like 15 years they've never let themselves have any fun but then she goes to school and she does have fun yeah she throws a she throws a newt yeah how fun is that who loves (laughs) who doesn't love a newt the first note i wrote was mom drinks bud light with a straw (laughs) so uh i feel like if that's all you knew about that character it would be enough i think so (laughs) yeah well yeah all you need to know about Rhea Perlman is the mom, is that she drinks Bud Light with a straw. The only thing you need to know about Danny DeVito is the dad is like... He's a used car salesman who's worse even than the reputation of used car salesmen typically are. Yeah, he's like (laughs) the laziest stereotype of a used car salesman. Yeah, like he doesn't even do any of the selling. He just steals, basically. He slicks back his hair. Yeah, ugh. His little little suits. What a little small man. (laughs) You know what I hate about him the most what and this is such a nitpicky thing that i hate in any form is when a dad calls their son son (laughs) did well let me get 
therapy on you. Did your dad ever call you son? Once. <laughs> and you were like, ew, no thank you. I was you. like, what are you doing? <laughs> also, one time he, he shook my hand oh, that's to funny. drop me off at the train. And I was like, what? <laughs> uh, my family, we don't call my father dad. We call him Pop. So that's another thing that when I hear TV kids do, I think is so strange. And, and then I realized, like, oh, I'm the strange one. <laughs> like, it's really me. I know, I know two girls that they grew up in not the middle of a farm, and they called their parents Mama and Papa. Oh, that's cute. Kind, it's kind of, of, but nice. I mean, there's like a weird age range where you're like, that sounds off. Yeah, uh, I find myself sometimes now when I really want my mom to like really mother me, I specifically call her mommy, and she like responds, which is really nice. <laughs> I, my brother and I made a very conscious effort a couple years, not a couple, like a while ago, oh, to stop saying. Oh, do you call them saying, by their first name? No. Oh, good. <laughs> no, no, no. But to stop calling them mommy and daddy. Oh, okay. Because we were doing it way too late. Like, okay. For me, it's a very deliberate choice now, and my brother will notice it and like yell at me about it. Yeah. Let me... What's up? Oh, she's just closing the window. <laughs> Gang, it is freezing out right now. <laughs> it is very cold. Um, other things I wrote, Rusted Wrong, Rusted Wrong, Rusted Root Song, Send Me On My Way, which is the opening and closing song. Oh, yeah. Loved that. And I think that was probably the first time I had ever heard it. And even now when I hear it, I feel this like joy and light that probably comes from this movie. Well, that, when I heard that song, I, I was like, oh, this, this movie is a lot more recent than I thought it was. Yeah, but it feels kind of old. It does. Cause I, well, this was like right when DVD started being a thing. Yeah. So like. It was just like the still crappy VHS quality, yeah, but yeah. on a more expensive format. Yeah. Like, uh, I I pair this movie a lot. It looks exactly the same as Harriet the Spy. Yes, Did it you does. Spy? A long time ago, but I probably yeah. loved it back then because it was a spunky little girl. Yeah, yeah, and the the cassette, the videotape it came with, uh, it was uh, orange because oh. it was a Nick movie. <laughs> oh, these entire just institutions of useless yeah (laughs) they're just wasting away in a dump somewhere oh that's so sad um (laughs) wait i forget which character wrote this or said this but i just wrote it in quotes i'm glad i was never a child i'm pretty sure that's trunchbull yeah that sounds which i also (laughs) loved the idea that she was just birthed forth like from zeus's head like that fully was, formed that was also the first and only time that danny DeVito's character was just like huh that's odd right uh, not all of the other things not his taliban like existence not letting his daughter go to school everything else is like fine well in in their defense they just forgot you... how old she was oh okay that's fine ross yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first folks i defended <laughs> As... really terrible parents yeah um and then I also love movies where kids pull like really like like easy but productive pranks on adults. Like the the glue in the hat. I love that. The um the hair dye. Loved that. Just which has elements of one of Roald Dahl's other books, The Twits. Did you ever read that? that this is that the one with the girl? No, gets... it's it's this couple, this abusive couple to each other and they hate each other and they just uh they like pull pranks on each other basically. And then the birds pull pranks on them. It's Was that the one where they get glued to the ceiling? Yes, at the very end. But that, before that, the like wife that wants... That movie is insane. That it's book nuts. is insane. It's, it's such an abusive couple. But it's... I remember reading it a lot because it was really short. It was so I... short. All these books are so short and they're so easy to read. Just like, do you ever read The Vicar of Nibbleswick? <laughs> Another no, Roald Dahl? It's about this man, a vicar of some, you know, English of town. Of Nibbleswick, obviously. And he, uh, for some reason, all of a sudden can o- can't read normally 
He can only, oh no, that's not what it is. He can't walk forward. He can only walk backward and he can't read forward. So he can only read backwards. Anyway, the guy's got some issues and he just like, it's, maybe it's about having a disability. I don't really know. I guess so. Yeah. It's, <laughs> sure. I'll yeah. Go with that. We'll go with that. Um, Paul Rubens showed up. He did. Completely forgot about that whole and plot he, line. Because he was a very subdued character. Yes. He's one of two FBI agents uh, investigating a man for selling fake car parts. Yeah. And it, and that needed two agents. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and little Matilda knows right away. That that girl could serve, she could be a hey, cop. In that cop scene, the boat sails. The car, the speedboat fails, speed man. Boat. Also, Paul Rubens, uh, the one scene where they're doing a stakeout and they're eating uh, uh, hamburgers, he has the hugest glob in the universe. Of, of what? Of, what is that, barbecue sauce? Unclear what get, kind of sauce. I was sauce. just going to say ketchup. Okay. But I'm really glad that he did put that napkin down, because otherwise his shirt would have been ruined. I <laughs> That would have ruined the whole I like thing. a little bit of ketchup. I cannot understand people that are like, oh, just pile on that ketchup. No, it's like, yeah, you want any, you want like, any hamburger guys, with your ketchup? honey mustard, come on. <laughs> yeah, just a little dabble to A little zesty, yes. Classic, the classic line, I'm smart, you're dumb, I'm big, you're little, I'm right, you're wrong, which is reinforced to children all the time. And it's a real shame, because then when she meets Miss Honey, and she's like, it's good <laughs> that you have power... That's the key to raising good children is making them feel like they have power in a world where they don't really have much power. And that's why Miss Honey is my time person of the year 2017. Oh, congratulations. Slash 1996, yeah. Yeah, Miss Honey. And I was glad that they revealed, oh, um, uh, Miss Honey is related to Miss Trunchbull. Because I was... Why the fuck is she still at right. this school? When, where are the other teachers? What's going on in the school district? What's... I like that her classroom has all these like different mechanisms in place. Yes, to cover everything up. Yeah. Which happens in an abusive relationship is that you find all these ways to like lie and cheat and cover things. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in that, when she, she pulls down a list of rules and one of them, it's like standard things like, you know, no talking, no chewing gum. And then it says no playing. And then it says no praying. And I like, I had to check it a couple times. And I was like, I didn't even notice. Yeah, that. it's, it, it's there. I checked it, freeze framed, really looked at it. And I was like, hmm, what? <laughs> like that wasn't, I guess Miss Trunchbull is a real atheist, which is fine. You know? Also, so you're, you're a psychology student. Yes. Soon to be graduate. Yes. This I, I came up with a little pun that I think is very relevant. Oh, tell me more. A child called It Ilda. Ooh, wow, that's that's something for those listening. A child called It is an old book. I never actually read it because it really scared me. It also did you I, read it? I read it in tenth grade. Oof. It's it's not a great book. No, it's it's like. I think of it in like the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. I don't know if it's related at all. Oh. But maybe I just saw them next to each other on the bookshelf about a, a young boy who's really, really abused. And it's horrible. It's totally yeah. awful. Um. No, it's terrible. <laughs> but I, I I got weirded out because I was reading articles about the book and like all the stuff came out that it was kind of exact. Like there was still abuse, but it was exaggerated. Yeah, and, and it's, that's, that stuff is it's hard. troubling because there's so much abuse that doesn't need, that's hard and bad enough that doesn't need to be exaggerated. Yeah, and it's also, are you, you're listening to people that are potentially, that were potentially complicit in it, so you don't know if they're telling the truth or they're just kind of... So it's supposed catching. to be a true story? Yes. Okay. And it's a three-part book series. Wow. Uh, and, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, uh, this, I, I wondered, like, if a child was... 
like it's kind of tough to watch this movie like say you feel you really do identify with Matilda and you really feel like you're misunderstood by your anti-intellectual family or whatever like you're not going to watch this movie and get powers and find him as honey you're going to finish the movie in an hour and a half and like still be really sad which is yeah it's tough but I I will say I was surprised at how little of her powers were actually in the movie until the very end yes and then it's like wild I also she's floating cards around yeah I really like the just the magic montage where she like starts like honing it and I I love a good montage even if it's just in one room like it's really great we need to shoot this in a day (laughs) yeah we're (laughs) We're just gonna lock you in here um but yeah I just because the powers weren't that present in the movie I don't know I still think that I mean I can't really speak for it because luckily I've had I had a nice childhood but I don't know if you kind of see this and you're looking at the this girl like even in the face of all this crap happening to them. Yeah. Like finding that one adult that you can confide in. Yeah, it's really so I'm training to be a school counselor and that's like the whole goal is that you in a school there should be one adult who cares for you. Like at least maybe one. it's your teacher, hopefully hopefully it's your teacher. Um, and I try to be that for a lot of the kids that I I work with. Because it's unclear what their family lives are like. But it mm-hmm. just like seeing Miss Honey and I was like, she really has some like textbook good counselor qualities. Like makes children feel empowered, makes them feel special, um, remains positive in the face of like personal struggles. She also um, kind of steps in to be like the middleman almost between mm-hmm. the abuser and the, the children. Yep, absolutely. So she's an active bystander. She also is paying $50 a month for her little cottage from a rhubarb farmer, which is nuts. What town is this that they have a, a strong rhubarb industry and $50 a month rent? Is Jersey known for its rhubarb? I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jersey's known for rhubarb. Tomatoes. Tomatoes and uh, champagne. <laughs> really? No. Oh, okay. Well, because be you know that whole thing like, oh, it it's made anywhere. Champagne. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, Shut up. <laughs> They're very protective of that. And then... That chokey. That thing is so freaking scary. It's just an Iron Maiden. It's, yeah, it's straight up medieval, and it's like... Straight up evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's it really epitomizes everything a child would fear of, of being alone and being in the dark and just like being poked by rusty nails. Yeah. <laughs> I just forgot that I wrote this down, but... Um, the most unrealistic part of this movie, I think, in, you know, with magic and yeah. all this, is a bunch of kids being impressed by another kid that can do a lot of multiplication. <laughs> they were like, whoa. That's, so that's another thing I probably really identified with, because there were a couple, a uh, couple of fourth grade multiplication tests that I finished well before everybody else, and I, I, like, I was in a, a hippie school where I was not made fun of for that, but I really liked that in the school, like, they all liked that too. And I was like, oh, maybe I don't have to change myself to be good in this world. I don't have to hide my multiplication prowess. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, I, when, when I was learning multiplication, um, they they played like songs for us. Ooh. And so to this day, if I want to do uh, a th- the three times tables or the four times tables, I have to sing the song What How does head. it go? Gotta hear it. Um, so the, the three one goes... 3, 6, 9, 12, 15, 18, <laughs> 21, 24, 27, 30. You really don't think you could do it I mean, this? probably. Like, I cannot. 7 and 8 times tables They're tough. are They're tough. so hard. Yeah. Um, 6 is easy. 
Uh, five. five. Oh, five is a cakewalk. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. even bother playing the song. <laughs> um, nine I like. Because the two numbers add up to nine. Yeah, that's that's very satisfying. Boy, once we all learn that trick. Whoo! I realize I sometimes I'm in a position where I have to teach kids math, like if I'm helping them with their math homework, and I realize like all I know are tricks. I don't know any of the of the actual math part. So hopefully they'll, they'll What do you themselves. think of Common Core? <laughs> uh, I actually don't know much about it, but it um, uh, doesn't seem to be used very well. Also, cultural differences in this whole country mean that there can't really be a Common Core. Because I watched like a Vox video where it was like, how does this work? I don't actually know. I should watch it too. It's it's a good video, but it is funny how like every five years when something like, they're like, oh, this is probably better. People are like, oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Change is hard. I'm also terrible at teaching. Like I'm current, like I'm, I'm ending my stint as a Hebrew school teacher just because like I'm busy with yeah. other work. But um, I realized that I'm not a great teacher or I just started becoming a good teacher because for years it was just like. Well, guys, this is what it is. Yeah. No, I mean, that's what I'm like a lot as well. Unfortunately, it comes up sometimes in my counseling conversations as well. And I'm just like, you know, they're like, oh, I'm never going to, I'm never going to be happy. And I'm like, oh, no, you will. Yeah. There's no background except that like, I tend to think the arc of life. Eh, I don't actually know that. It may not bend towards happiness anyway. People find little pockets of happiness <laughs> yeah, little wherever. Pockets. Little Little Miss Honeys, little chocolates. Little, <laughs> um... Uh, great Twitter handle that's just available based on this movie, Darl's Chickens. <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently that was some other Roald Dahl reference that, like, in the BFG. You somebody, also read IMDb? Uh, obviously, but hopefully we won't say the same facts. But, of course, that the saddest fact of them all. Okay, I th- we so were talking sad. about this right before we started, and I think we're thinking of the I same I think we thing. are. It's very sad, and... Uh, I was going to say we should say it at the same time, but that's not going to be cohesive. Yeah, we're not going to have the same words. At all. I'll... We can alternate words. Sure. The young... Mara... Wilson. Her mom... Died... During... The... Production... Of... Matilda. How... Sad... Is... That. Yeah, and then she, like, had to finish it for her, and I thought, like, just to be playing a young girl who's all alone in the world and then to lose your mother is quite traumatizing in itself. I wish I could say it came out in her performance. <laughs> <laughs> Look, <laughs> little girl. Wait, this was this was after Mrs. Doubtfire, right? Um, perhaps another movie I haven't seen in a long time. You should watch it again because it's great. Okay. You know, I want to say, just because she was a little bit better at talking in this movie than <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. She's very good at talking in yeah. this one. Um, what was I going to... Oh, yeah. So there's actually a second part to that fun fact. Not Go fun on. fact. Um, glum glum, glum fact. fact. <laughs> <laughs> so for years, Mara Wilson was like, oh, my God, like, my mom died, you know, while I, while this movie was basically, like, still in production, so she never got to see it. And then Danny DeVito told her, like, years later that um, he showed her a, r- uh, a rough cut of it before uh, she died. I want to see the movie made of that. Yeah. Of, like, her whole journey. Had I... And then I was like, oh, has she written any essays about it? I want to read her memoir. And, like, I, I had all these, like... Because I, I, I realized that, like, this whole... Mo- this movie may be one of the reasons why I'm going into school counseling. To, like, a very early understanding of child psychology is apparent in this film. And I, I just want to know that they're all okay, you know? I want them to, like thrive yeah i mean little, I was a little lavender little hortensia oh uh, lavender <laughs> she's cute but not a great actress 
I'm throwing it out there. <laughs> you heard it here first. She yeah. was that was um, Matilda's friend, right? With the yes, the, the purple. Oh, that's why she was lavender. Yeah, I guess she has oh, cute man. little glass. She's the one who puts the nude in the glass. Yeah. Yeah. Not the not the pigtail girl. No, that girl was Amanda. And all these kids, they're thrown left and right by that this. That was sh- so <laughs> disturbing seeing this little girl being twirled around by her pigtails. I thought one of them got ripped out, but they didn't. Yeah. And she also nearly got impaled by a really sharp fence. Fence, yeah. And then she's just sliding and just She, like, gathers these flowers, gives them to Miss Honey. And then she goes right back to school. The incredible resilience of children. It's it's really something. Matilda was truly the start of the resistance movement. That's right. She, nevertheless, Matilda persisted from the beginning. Uh, you know, on that note, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more uh, this uh, Matilda. So stay with us. Shoom, we're back. That was my magic noise. <laughs> I tried my best. Um, so we're talking Matilda. We were talking right before the break, just kind of uh, how upsetting it was to see all these children go through the air. Um, I think the, the scene that made me squirm the most was the chocolate cake scene. Oh, that iconic scene. That resonates through me on a weekly basis. Basically, anytime I see chocolate cake or eat chocolate cake or hear somebody's name is Bruce, I think <laughs> about that scene. And it uh, it comes up a lot, surprisingly. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, the cake looked really good. Looked moist. That's oh, right. I, mean, I said could, it. Moist. Uh, I don't care. If, you, if <laughs> you're annoyed right. by the word moist, you're super annoying. <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks like a great cake. Um, and it's also, I think it's another child's nightmare. Besides the, the chokey, it's like having too much of what you want. Like the thing that you always want, which is to have as much cake as you could possibly want, becomes your worst nightmare. And that's yeah, and also, and scary. He, didn't have a, he didn't have a cup of milk or something? Nothing. Not a napkin, not a... Oh, I know he didn't have a napkin. <laughs> no fork. That's, that's one of my biggest res- reservations about having children is just how messy... They're so messy. They're always sticky, from what I've heard. Like teaching Hebrew school after snack time, they're... Three, four of my students would have just stuff on their face. Yeah. As like, and they have no shame. Yeah. As, as they shouldn't. They shouldn't have shame about that. I mean, come on. <laughs> just like a little bit. Be at least a little self-aware yeah. that you have crap all over your face. <laughs> yeah. um, but Bruce, uh, very, very body positive young man. The whole, the whole crowd gets behind him. It makes sense that they don't bully each other because they're bullied constantly by their principal. So they've banded together. But I guess you could say, and you would know a little bit better because I only took AP Psych uh, five years ago. Congrats. How did you do on the test? Uh, I got a three. All right. (laughs) Which, to quote Cindy Lauper, was good enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But um, a lot of times I feel um, when there is like this general larger abusive force that people will still turn on each other instead of fighting the bigger enemy. Kind that, of, well, that's kind of interclass warfare, right? Intra-class warfare, yeah. Intra. Or, or inter, if you consider there being three classes, that like the upper class, the middle class, and the lower class, and then the middle. Yeah. Because the mid- the, there's yeah. inner inner conflict within the middle class, like, oh, uh, like, oh, keeping up with the Joneses, blurp. And then <laughs> um, there's intra-class warfare yeah. where it's, competing against each other instead right. of For, realizing oh this system is all right the system pretty- itself makes us into competitors yeah i think uh yes in a lot of abusive situations or, or families where the parents are not around or emotionally available kids can turn on each other especially if they feel like they have no power the older ones will try to get power on the younger ones um 
It's like the Stanford prison experiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I, I can exactly do, like it. I do a useless impression of Dr. Philip Zimbardo. <laughs> oh, that's so useless. How does it go? Uh, and I didn't see the movie and I've, I've never heard it, a recording. I haven't done it in years, but he just ha- he has a very intense Boston. He's like, I'm Dr. Philip Zimbardo. He kind of sounds like, he talks a little bit like Dr. Oz, I guess. Okay. He's like, we didn't, I didn't realize that these boys were in danger. Oh, geez. And my wife. <laughs> Um, yeah, hold on to that one. Workshop that. And yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I need Philip Zimbardo to be in the news again. <laughs> um, and it's remarkable that these kids um, take care of each other. Hort- little Hortensia, or big Hortensia, tells little Matilda, you know, you Is guys... Is Hortensia the really tall one she's that the tall was just one. in the schoolyard that yes. one time? Okay. Who's like, it's her job to go around and tell the kids, like, don't hide in those crevices. Yeah, she's really good at exposition. It was really yeah, helpful. Yeah, very, it, was, it was critical, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that uh, that's that's a pretty special place, and it may be that they they recognize that Miss Trunchbull is ridiculous and Miss Honey is their true role model. So that's who they're learning from. It's also a very diverse school. I liked that. Yeah, it's good. Um, in general, what do you think is Roll Doll's deal with fat kids? Roll Doll's deal with fat kids. Great question. I also wrote down <clears throat> uh, Miss Trunchbull's line. I like a joke as well as the next fat person. I don't know what that means. Like when they're all laughing when the newt is in the glass. I don't know what that means. I mean, um, maybe she's admitting, look, guys, I, look, I'm semi-self-aware. I know I'm not in the best shape of my life. But I, is there a stereotype that fat people like jokes? I, I mean, there are people and people like jokes. John so Candy, Mike and Molly. I guess. Uh, it just, yes, it was it was strange. Um, that that line I just didn't get. But Roll yeah. Doll in general. Well, there's, there's, there's Bruce, there's... Augustus uh, Gloop. Augustus Gloop, there's right. the... What's his name in The Witches? Uh, not Austin. Oh, oh, Bruno. I don't remember that one as well. It was Bruno. Okay. Just because I remember... Because I, I had a camper named Bruno. Oh, okay. So I, was... I think... Um, well, Roll Doll is very British, I think. Even though these things take place in unknown locations. I think of him as very British... And I think there is probably, I don't know, some old anglicized, really hearty stereotype about fat kids. Maybe he was a fat kid. And that contributes to his... (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, uh, or maybe he was a very thin kid with a very thin body-punishing mother who really instilled in him that fat characters should be kicked out. Except that Bruce is celebrated. Go Bruce. He's lauded, some might even say. I would I would say. <laughs> I just learned the word lauded, so I'm always using it. Congrats. I laud you for that usage. Thank you. Uplaud? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, because I, um, there was like a, a couple years where I was like very, I was pretty fat. Like my, my okay. doctor was like, you need to lose weight. Uh, he said it probably a little bit nicer. But since that, I've kind of like intern, I internalized that for a while. And I was just kind of like very judgy mm. of more overweight people. And I that's yeah so you've got some thoughts about this then i've got mail um <laughs> that was stupid but yeah um, I, I i would i wouldn't be surprised if it was um roald Dahl used to be um a fat child have you he had an entire book about a chocolate factory that's true which is also just a child's dream what mm-hmm. an interest it's i want to he wrote the, an autobiography called boy have you read that no I, I don't remember that much about it but somebody was just talking about it to me um Basically, he went to an English boarding school, and they were, like, mercilessly beaten. Um, so I think that is probably where his whole idea of, like, children becoming heroes rather than victims might come from, because he, like, saw all this happening and experienced it. They were, like, paddled and 
hit and all this stuff. Um, and he was stuck in an Iron Maiden. Yeah, basically, and thrown by his pigtails. Um, <laughs> and that really affects a kid without power. Like you want oh, to, it's got to, you know, find it. Some people do it through abusing others. Some people do it through helping others. Some people do it by writing or reading, whatever it is. So, I, I it's it's interesting how how an adult knew so much about kids and was able to write for them. I will say, I I think the one thing, and I, not that come, nothing comes to mind for it, I don't think there was a lot of, um, like, compulsive behavior in the movie, because I know that's another mm-hmm. kind of side effect yep, of... Yeah, it's a way to get control. I mean, some could say that, like, she Matilda compulsively reads, but it's it's a pretty helpful compulsion. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, Mara Wilson uh, has OCD. I did read that, too, yeah, and that she had it on this movie and that could very much relate to losing her mother um, and losing the person you love the most in the world Um, but overall she really demonstrates the wonderful uh, coping mechanism of sublimation maybe you remember that from AP7 that name does sound that word does sound familiar how about say just in case other (laughs) people don't know well you know Ross it's when somebody converts a negative life experience or, or negative emotions into something positive. In the extreme, it might look like workaholism, like somebody who's going through a rough divorce really devotes themselves to their to their work. But it could also look like somebody um, really devoting themselves to bettering the world so that other people don't experience what they did as well. Right. Yeah, that... Okay. Yeah, I totally remember learning that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, why is Danny DeVito both the narrator and the dad? Great question. Um... It's a different situation from How I Met Your Mother, where the father and the narrator are too Kid. different. Yeah, it's... Kids, I'm going to tell you about how we escaped to Guam. <laughs> um, but in How I Met Your Mother, it's like Bob Saget and Josh Radner. That's mm-hmm. the actor's name. Like, oh, why did they have to hire somebody else? But I guess, who knows? Yeah, why he speaks so fondly of Matilda as the narrator. Um, I He also directed it, so maybe he was just like, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're really busy right here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, great exposition as well. Learned a lot. Um, and the the brother, also a, an abusive bully. So there's the two extremes. One is one is the, in response to their abusive parents or their neglectful parents, the older brother becomes a bully as well in their mold. And then Matilda becomes like a shining beacon of light. I wonder what their third child would have done if they had forgotten that one in the car as well. Yeah. Also, how good does Real Perlman le- look when she leaves the hospital right after giving birth? She's like in her she, little spandex. She looks great in general. Oh, totally. I forgot that her and Danny DeVito are um, like the same height. Are they? They're also like married. They, they were until this year. No, 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 no. They got they got separated, but then I think they reconciled their differences. I, according to the wiki I read, they divorced this year officially. Aww. Yeah. They were together for like 40 years. They were. That must be fun to work with your spouse if things are going well. Oh, I yeah. Suppose. That seems like it'd be fun. First, I got to get a spouse. Then we got to get to a movie set. And then we'll find out if it's true. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, when both of us become famous. <laughs> yeah. Gonna um, be, you're going to be the most famous psychologist. Yeah, school probably cousin. not. Um, other things I wrote down. You know what sucks? It's, it's <laughs> when it comes to fame and like being, a, I guess, a counselor or any job like that, it's so much easier to be famous for being like the worst than the best. Yeah. It, yes. <laughs> and I would rather be good and not known. I'd rather be known for being good, doing a small good thing. Like, do you ever think about if you could be famous in any way, what way would it be? Mm-hmm. Uh, we would both probably say comedy. But, like, besides that... <laughs> for improv comedy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're famous improvisers. To us, we think they're famous. Uh, yeah. Besides the people on Whose Line. We get it, world. You've seen Whose Line. That's what but you know about guys, improv. Whose Line is it anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't, isn't it Drew Carey's? No? 
Well, now it's Aisha Tyler's. Oh, that's right. I forgot they brought it back. Um, Have you seen? It's good. I, and, I think I've seen like one episode in a doctor's office and it seemed fun. Well, and I like her little intro more than Drew's because Drew, he would sadly run down the stairs and be like, oh, let's have some fun. And hers is, let's go, let's make some stuff up. That's more appropriate. That gives the full explanation of improv so I don't have to explain it to people anymore. Yeah. Oh, is the Drew Carey show on Hulu? Because I think I should do get that. <laughs> uh I don't know. I have two days left of my free Hulu trial. <laughs> you got to really binge and, yeah. and watch everything that's there. Um, did you, How did you watch this movie? Because I watched it on ABC Freeform. Oh, I didn't know that was on. Yeah. I found, where did I watch it? I found like it's a weird... Remarkable how many movies are... Pretty much every movie is available for streaming. Yeah. Oh, I found it on the Internet Archive. What is that? It's... Um, Another internet that records the internet? Yes. Well, no, it's a website that they have a lot of, like, um, just video and audio and pictures that they, like, upload that you can oh. just kind of use just to kind of... It's like a preservation hmm. society. And they also archive a bunch of websites. So you oh. can, like, go and see the first YouTube That's uh, homepage. That's pretty cool. Seeing the old, like, <laughs> from 2007, I was just like, holy shit. What is the website for this? Is it internet.internet? Uh, archive.org. Oh, okay. That sounds that's easy to. It's simple. Recommend it if you want to watch Matilda. <laughs> well, I've already already have. Did you have ads for Freeform? I did. Yes, every fifteen minutes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and it was the same ads over and over again for shows I've already seen. I hate that. And it's <laughs> yeah. like the the Verizon commercial with Thomas Middleditch. Yeah, like I know you, Middleditch. I've seen you. I know your game with the oil and the mm. vinegar. <laughs> and when this when this podcast is listened years in the future on some future podcast archive. They're going to wonder, what was that commercial she was talking about? It was for Verizon. It wasn't that great. No. Yeah. <laughs> it was I, dumb. I made a video years ago. It was like one of the, when I hate videos were big, mm-hmm. where it's just like you rant about things you hate. And I mentioned- Are those not big now? I feel like I see them all the time. There was a specific style. Or like okay. it was on Tosh.0. So I was like, oh, I could do that. You um, were a Tosh.0 boy? At the very beginning Aww. of it. Yeah. Anyway. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but there were, it was like- a commercial for pop tarts with some now no one cares about youtube star and yeah. i remember mentioning that and even like a month later it was super outdated <laughs> that wasn't even a full 15 minutes of fame it was yeah. like 15 seconds because yeah. that's how long the ad was yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, um <clears throat> let's see uh oh the they had a really long poem just to spell the word, word difficulty Oh, that was cut out of the movie version I saw. I saw the TV edited version. What is that? It was like Mrs. D, Mrs. I, Mrs. Oh, I don't remember that at all. I, Mrs. C, Mrs. U, Mrs. L, T, Y. Yeah. Didn't think I was going to remember that, but I. What they taught you so well. Miss Honey is such a good teacher. But that's insane to me that Miss Honey spent that much time. Yeah. Because we were talking earlier about, oh, like it's so hard to teach kids how to do stuff, but. That's going overboard. <laughs> well, have you? Did you watch Arthur growing up? That I was did. my A A R D V R K. Yeah, he's that was the only one he learned. The only vocab word that he learned, and it came up in the spelling bee, which I thought he's he was really touched by God in that moment. It was really special for him. But also weird, because like imagine you were in a spelling bee and they told you to spell person. That's true. He is an artwork. <laughs> That's also shameful that it took him that long to learn to his spell. own species name. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you know, kids do have to learn how to spell human and stuff, but it's not, it's not hard. It's... Spell human. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever uh, do a spelling bee? I certainly did, and I certainly won it a number of years in a row for my my school. The only, I think, the only word I have ever 
misspelled wrong in a pressure situation. Well, he spelled it wrong, so he spelled it right. Uh, what? <laughs> Aha, I got you. <laughs> um, oh, like spelled the word wrong, wrong? Yeah. Um, I, it was in fifth grade, fourth grade, and I spelled the word vegetable wrong on a written uh, spelling test. And I oh. still remember it every single time I write the word vegetable. And I feel I'm mad, you, you mad write, about like, that. You like mega table. You have to I think, say that in your head. Basically, yeah. But every, I've, I was... I was a good speller. <laughs> it was it wasn't hard for me. It has taken me year it's taken me years to spell environment correctly. That is a tough one. It's got a it's got that hidden n. Like in my head I have to say environ. <laughs> Environment. Uh, I do I admit I struggle with the red, word medicine. Um M E D I I C I N E. Okay. I usually have to write it down both ways and then see which which one dings. looks better. Yeah. Uh, but she also you know if I met Matilda, she's so well-read, and she reads a lot of adult books that I have not read, and I feel bad about that. Like, she's she read Moby Dick, and it's, like, her favorite bedtime book that she reads with Miss Honey at the end, and she's like, call me Ishmael, which is so cute. But, like, it, it, I feel bad that I haven't read it. There's lots of books like that. that I mean, I, I know the whole deal with it. Well, I actually don't. What happens at the end? Spoiler. Tell um, me. <laughs> I don't think he ever catches Moby Dick. It just becomes a metaphor? Like, I've yeah. used it as a as a metaphor for my own life i'll tell people like oh so and thing is my white whale which well, is like i think that's the whole point is that just ishmael was just driven insane by not ishmael captain ahab right shoot isn't ishmael just the narrator or as my brother would say call me fishmail I like that. <laughs> yeah. call me fishmail yeah. um that's yeah my... you're right captain ahab uh, just became crazy looking for the elusive and i guess ishmael was like his first mate yeah we're, we're probably yeah. both wrong on this well Good luck, Ahab. Hope you hope you find that I wish that Lord of the Flies came up in conversation more than it did. What would you... Well, you just brought it up. What would you say? <laughs> Not much. It's just like a fun point of reference that I feel like... In I, in high school, you're like, yeah, Lord of the Flies, Lord of the Flies. But then it, it doesn't seem I to I would say up. it comes up anytime I'm in a chaotic situation where kids are going wild. Somebody will be like, oof, it's like Lord of the Flies in there. You know what sucks, though? Because for me... Now, like, my go-to is, like, Hunger Games. Oh, which is as violent. But at least it has a strong female protagonist. <laughs> yeah, except the third book so Yeah, very violent as well. The uh, also, Well, and also the third book, it just becomes, Katniss is just, like, it just becomes a love story. Right. Um. Yeah. I, so I sat in on a high school English class recently, and they were reading The Great Gatsby, and the, they had just finished it. And the teacher asked, why do you think we read this, and should we continue reading it? Because it's been read for many years. And they come up with these great answers. It's a very good high school. And they're like, um, you know, the the message is timeless. The and Others were like, no, it's really dumb. I've read many other stories that are better and tell the same story. And this one kid was like, it's just a bunch of white people being rich. And then, <laughs> and then, and then I went up to the teacher after and I was like, well, isn't it because it's 120 pages? And that's like the ideal length for a high school book. Like that's exactly like my, when I brought it home in high school, my father was like, Oh, you're still reading that? It's because it's 120 pages. And I was like, oh, man. Same with Of Mice and Men. Same with Lord of the, Fli- uh, Lord of the Flies is long. It's the chapters are short, I remember. Okay, that's the key. <laughs> Just make them short chapters so that kids feel accomplished. Let kids have some power. You Wait, know? but what was, was that the answer that the English... No, he just kind of laughed and giggled and, like, moved on with his life. Because clearly, if, like, I would have been the smartass in high school who would have said that. And then not contributed anything actually important. <laughs> I, was, I was a smartass in like Jewish middle school. <laughs> <laughs> Who? <laughs> uh, I didn't want. 
because we would have, we would have services every day. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to pray. So I would, <laughs> oh my god, you should have been in trench bowl school. There I was know. no praying. <laughs> <laughs> but I would like um we would have like our prayer books, and I would do the thing where it was like I would keep it closed, and then the teacher would be like, Ross, open the book, and like. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would just like hold it against my chest so it was clear that I wasn't reading it. Yeah. I, uh, another variation of my smart assness was, uh, having already read the book that we were supposed to be reading so i'd bring my own book and i would put it inside the book and read that and i was caught for that once and i felt real bad about it i did that one time but i was secretly reading mad magazine <laughs> which i bet in mad magazine there was an image of a boy oh yeah reading mad magazine inside another book it was like spy versus fire oh and that was that's a cute big prank <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. It was a punishment sometimes when my parents would be like, we're not going to read you a story tonight. Oh. And I, I remember saying back to my parents, but like I was watching some kids show and I was like, but they say you should, you need to read to your child every night. <laughs> I knew that it was important. Yeah, it and is. I was like, you're screwing me over. Yeah. I, uh, what were the books that you read? As a um, were read to you as a child, any significant ones that really bonded you and your parents? I honestly could not tell you. Uh, uh, there's the one where it's like the the nice teacher is underappreciated. Miss Honey. A uh, Miss Maple or so, Miss Marvin, or whatever, and it's like she she's out sick, and a really mean witch teacher comes in and mm. is really mean to the kids, and then the next day the nice teacher comes back and they all love her. And it's hmm. revealed at the very end that she had dressed up as the <gasps> evil substitute to teach oh, them a lesson. Wow. Ooh, good lesson. A lot, I think also a lot about, there's not much not much nuance in kids' books. Like the, the, the fat lady is the mean lady. And like she's ugly and she's angry and she's got this foreign accent. But she does accent. like jokes. She does like jokes, that's <laughs> right. And she's superstitious, so I guess that's nuanced. But it's it's frustrating when I see that now and I've like, been educated in various ways and i'm like oh that means that you know a kid watching this might and watches enough movies like this and the little mermaid where the villain is also like a loud fat woman i'm like oh then they're equating there's all these like these equals that happens and i don't like that but it does suck yeah um but i remember my parents reading to me my father especially he would he would we read dinotopia together um and then we read anne of green gables which another like little spunky girl that I don't remember anything from. I wonder if he knew that I would remember none of this 15 years later. I guess it wasn't about the story. It was about our time together. Yeah. And also just being like, you're good at reading. Yeah. Like the <laughs> reading aspect, I think was important. Yes, definitely. Um, I, we had, I think we had every single one of the original um, Magic Treehouse books. Oh, now are those, what's the, the pattern of those titles? Um, Did they have? It was like an alliteration. So like so tonight like, on the Titanic, midnight on the moon. Was that different from like dragons? Daytime. Okay, but then there was a different series that was like dragons don't wash their hands and like vampires don't <laughs> yeah. eat carrots. I loved those too. I loved that those series. They each author probably only had to actually write like three chapters because out of the ten, like most of them were the same. <laughs> book to book and they just had to think yeah, about time. I would be so curious about reading like some children's books for yeah. this podcast. But it's also it's it's a struggle in itself sometimes just to like sit down and watch a movie. Yeah. So it's like going through then again, like kids' books, it's all large print. Yes. Even the and there's books. and those words are so small. Um yeah, I read a lot of those. Babysitter Sisters Club, the second chapter of every book was the same, explaining how the main character's parents were divorced and how she had two of everything as a result. Like two two homes, two bedrooms, two blankets, two dogs. 
uh, really she's just showing off about how much stuff she has, how she really raked it in after this divorce. Uh, she's like the one girl in Bunheads. I haven't seen that one. It's fine. But it's just like <laughs> I love Amy Sherman Heldino's Hall. I assume, well, I don't want to go into TV too much. That's yeah, okay. Well, were you about to bring up Gilmore Girls? <laughs> no, I was gonna. I never watched that, but Mrs. The Marvelous Mrs. May as well. Yeah, I, I loved it. I'm only a couple episodes in, but I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Also, watch Gilmore Girls. I I know. I feel like I like. And then you can text it. me during it, and then you can be like, "Oh, I really like this boyfriend." And I'm like, "Just you." <laughs> I feel like I would get overwhelmed with how fast they talk and how exciting that how excited that makes me because like that's how i would live my life if well, i was that is that what you felt during marvelous Mrs. kind Rizzle? of yeah it's kind of like a female aaron sorkin and i don't really like making a female like no I, but, but i mean specifically aaron sorkin is a man so like yeah. the female equivalent to i would agree with that yeah like um, I, I i told you that yesterday i watched um the new aaron sorkin movie molly's game and right um like just that dialogue gets me so amped up and it's, it's just it, you get high on it. I mean, I suppose there's some people that completely turns them off. But, like, did you watch uh, The Newsroom? Some of it. So it that, I think, was his worst show. It, it, yes. It's just, like, the epitome. It's like a caricature of himself. You know, all these journalists running around talking about speaking truth to power. And it's like, shut up. Well, like, you clearly did not see Studio 60 on the Oh, I did. Trip. No, I liked that one enough. The first half of the season was fantastic. But then when NBC was like, here, you need to do, like, more love interest. And right. he was like, oh, fine. <laughs> fine. Let me, let me put three... Exceedingly smart people together. That was my introduction to Sarah Paulson. Oh, I wish she was in that. Yeah, she was Harriet Hay. God, boy, oh boy. <laughs> I haven't watched the show in years. And I now I see where all your AP psych knowledge went. It was completely pushed out for all of your media and culture. Look, pop culture comes a lot in handy in conversations yeah. much more than um, uh, the Lucifer effect. <laughs> I don't know what that is. That's Philip Zimbardo's latest thing, where it's just like, are people inherently evil? Yeah. And it's just like Zimbardo head, my God. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were obsessed with because in high school when we did AP Psych, we watched these videos, and it was hosted by him like, uh. taking you on a journey through psychology <laughs> and <laughs> trying to redeem himself after the prison experiment. Yeah. Well, oh my God, everybody loved him. He's like, yeah, you abused people. Woo. <laughs> um. But yeah, I'm I'm prob on my list of shows to watch when I'm convalescing one day. I don't think Gilmore Girls is on it. It's like The Wire and The Sopranos. And now that I think about it, I may not want to watch such depressing, dark things. Well, that's why I watch I start watching Gilmore Girls because yeah. even though there is drama and stuff, but it it's it's for the most part such a feel good comedy just about like a mother and daughter yeah. who love each other and them just kind of supporting each other through different issues that in their does, life. That does sound it sounds nice, but it's like. You know, golden age TV. How am I going to catch up on all this stuff? Yeah. I mean, you know what? If you watch the pilot and don't like it. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Now it's like become a part of my identity where I'm like a person who should like it that hasn't seen it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'll consider it. Yeah. (laughs) I just just feel bad because I remember writing it off thinking like, oh, it's just like a, it's, it's like a dumb, like, just ABC Family, like, shit girl show or something. <laughs> That's a specific genre on their website, sure. Yeah. On Freeform, yeah. <laughs> well, because I equated it with, like, Pretty Little Liars, Gossip right. Girl. Which all like... came later. I actually... It's funny, I... I... They, they're terribly marketed, because it all yeah. just seems like very just shallow, like, gossipy right. shows. I am a nuanced person, as are you. And people are often surprised when I tell them some of my tastes. Like, they would expect me to like Gilmore Girls. I haven't seen it. I am a huge huge fan of Gossip Girl and of Sex and the City. I was watching an episode right before you came here. And of like which I, one? Of Sex and the City. I like, I haven't, I didn't watch all of Gossip Girl, but I read all of the books. So I was an OG oh. fan. Um, and it's, 
so strange to me even to think about that because I'm like such a like, oh, let me watch these like meaty dramas. But I freaking love Sex and the City. Could tell you any episode and anything that happens. Do you think I would like uh, Sex and the City? I think so. Because, I mean, I I watched all of Gilmore Girls and loved it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm super down for just like feel good. It's got some it's got some pathos in it. Um, pathos. Um, but it's got some great lines. Some great lines that are just like terrific <laughs> which which of the ladies would you say i am uh i don't know you that well unfortunately or your romance life so if you could sum up your love life and uh, uh i'm unlucky in love they're all unlucky in love <laughs> Damn. um i don't know let's see i i tr- i look for more serious things but then i end up having a lot of like one night flings okay um i guess better question is how do you approach love overall Love um, specifically, not not just... Uh, I guess I'm open to it, and I believe in it, and yeah. uh, I don't know. I uh, I mean, I certainly feel heartbroken. Okay. And um, I kind of, if I think I feel something for somebody, I will kind of jump into that. Yeah. And then if it doesn't feel right, then I'll kind of like back up. That and aspect is very carry, but the general, I'd say your general personality is... Miranda, most I would say Which most improvised. She's uh, Cynthia Nixon, the red-haired one. She's oh. like the sassy lawyer. Who's okay, like, get out of my way, men! I'm gonna make it in this world. But really, I want a boyfriend. She's like, <laughs> she calls every single man she sees a tall drink of water. Uh, not quite. No, it's, that would be more Samantha, who's okay. like, but but uh, Miranda's the one where like she's at some annoying all-female event, and some older woman is like, oh Miranda, are you seeing anybody special? And she goes, nope, only unspecial men. I don't see anybody special. And she like just gets. So so fed up I'm for with it. the whole system. Yeah, yeah. And then she eventually has a baby with Steve and then they get married and Spoiler. Yeah. Eh, you should know that if you didn't by now. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't uh, read the message boards. Yeah. <laughs> On the internet I archive. Uh yeah, great show. Yeah, and then in terms of the Gilmore girls, I would say that you're more of a Rory the, who's uh, the daughter. Okay, I know that they both have the same name. Yes. But it's not confusing because she goes by Rory and right. her mom goes by Lorelai. Right. Just because you True. are very well read. Uh, but I don't think you have the qualities of Rory where she gets like overwhelmed and is just like, but this wasn't how life was supposed to turn out. I used to feel like that until like I went through some of that stuff and I was like, no, oh, okay. There is no point to this whole life thing. It just like happens as it does. The years start coming and they don't stop coming. <laughs> uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> do, do you have any last thoughts on uh, uh, Matilda? Um, I think I think I would look, if I have a daughter one day, which I hope to. I would love to show it to her and really parse it out with her. Specifically, the line: "A girl doesn't get anywhere by intelligence," which is what her mother says to Miss Honey, um, and really use it as an example. Uh, it is. I'm probably now that I've seen it with new eyes. I'm gonna think about the the ideal of Miss Honey and work towards that. Similar to the Tammy Taylor character in Friday Night Lights, who is one of the reasons I'm going to be a school counselor. I only counselor. saw a movie. Okay. I could go on about that for a while, but there's a character in it who's an excellent school counselor. And that's, like I mentioned it in my grad school interview. That's how <laughs> influential it was. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, that's my that's my thoughts on Matilda. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just like looking at some of these last little things that I wrote down. Um uh oh yeah um towards the end of the movie the wormwoods they're just eating marshmallows oh yeah with with it's like a marshmallow shish kebab yeah very strange um and uh 
Yeah. Also, super insane that Matilda had adoption papers. Papers ready to go. In her mom's purse. Oh, I thought they were in her own backpack and her mom was pulling her backpack. Oh, that was Either way, still insane. Terrific. Yeah. Uh, And highly illegal and would not have happened that way. But you know what? It's fiction. Wait, how's it? Oh, because there wasn't a notary public. Or just like a lawyer or like. She did grab the adoption papers from a library book. That's true. Uh, she, she'd have since them Since I learned how to Xerox. <laughs> I love that she knows the word Xerox. <laughs> <laughs> like, can we stop with all these brand names? Yeah. Since <laughs> so I learned how to photocopy. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, um, so now that we've discussed the movie thoroughly mm-hmm. and also gotten off topic plenty of times, sure. uh, it's time for us to rate it. So okay. here on the podcast, we very confusingly rate everything. Uh, on four criteria. So audience respect, uh, so how the movie kind of treats uh, its viewers, uh, plot, acting, and humor. Uh, you can rate it from zero to five, use any decimals you like, be as minute as you like. Side note, do you, is could there be a kid's movie that doesn't have humor? Um, we've had movies that aren't that funny, but with the jokes that they have or the humorous elements that they put yeah. in, just because they need to have that as some, as some relief for yeah. a child. And like, a child's life is somewhat... Like, they learn through play. Um, yeah. Okay, so the first one, audience. Respect. Like, how they treat their audience. Yeah, so, so like, do they, the example I always give is, um, do they kind of talk down to the audience and make it very much just like, this is the plot, don't worry, that's the bad guy? Or do they kind of treat it like, this is a movie for any audience I think to enjoy? It's, I think it does a good job of communicating the point of the movie to a kid who would identify with Matilda. So a little bit above average, but not so difficult that an average kid... A Hortensia, if you will, would still be able to <laughs> understand it. Um, does not treat white trash, respectively, at all. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Winter's Bone with Jennifer Lawrence. That oh, was a good... Seen Oof. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, what, what number would you okay, put out? Okay, uh, on a scale zero to five. with decimals. Um, yeah. I would say a 4.5. 4.5. Yeah. That's very good. I'm... <clears throat> oh, gross. I'm giving it... I, I'm giving it just a straight up four. All right. Because okay. uh, I'm, I'm on a similar uh, level with you. Um, the movie doesn't... I think it's also partly just uh, Roald Dahl's style and kind of what that brings out in a in a creator. Just kind of this mm-hmm. exuberant, over-the-top, just good versus evil. Yes. Uh, Which, like, really, a child can't developmentally quite understand more than that until they're like... 14 or something. Yeah, which is like, yeah. come on, kid. Yeah. Uh, idiot. <laughs> um, how, how, what did you think of the plot? Ow, I just bit my tongue real bad. <laughs> it's funny how you live your life not biting your tongue, and then you do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, plot-wise, pretty good, especially with the whole Miss Honey father redemption aspect. Um, yeah, I'd say a four as well. I'm going a little bit lower with okay. a 3.4 just because... <clears throat> Because screw you, Matilda. No, um, I don't know. I think that um, it was the movie dragged so much, and then like, like they waited until the very, very end for it to be like, okay, I'm, I'm figuring out my powers. Because I, because right. when I assumed when she first got her powers, like uh, in like the first twenty minutes, I think that's when she blew up the TV. I mean, she almost the whole movie could have existed without the powers altogether. Just that her power is that she's smart and she could have figured out how to get the stuff from Trunchbull's house. Like she could have done a little caper, mm-hmm. a little heist. So it's almost like two plots in one. Like yeah, and it's like if if they had kind of the whole movie was her trying to figure out her powers and how to make them work for her. Mm-hmm. 
um, rather than kind of like, oh, it's kind of a kind of a thing. And at the very end, it's like, oh, yeah, we forgot. Right. Like, it almost feels like a um, uh, deus ex machina. Ooh, look at that film term. Thank Somebody's you. got one semester left. Someone has watched a lot of video essays <laughs> about movies. Um, yeah, I almost think it's... I almost, now that I think about it, would have liked it to have not had any magic. Sorry, Roald Dahl. And just her power is being gifted and just, like, being connected. Like, her relationships with kind people. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, they... That is a true superpower that do, kids they, can cultivate. You heard it here. <laughs> and they have that dumb statistic at the beginning where it's like, uh, like most people only use 10% of their brain power. Right, and it's like, true. we all know that isn't true. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought they were maybe hinting like, okay, so that's going to be, that could have been her power. Right. Or whatever, that she does have a very overactive right. brain and that kind of helps her. But right. uh, they could have made it more of a choice. You right. hear that rolled? <laughs> rolled. <laughs> piece of crap. No, just kidding. Uh, he's a piece of crap. I'll say it. Is he? Is he like a secret Nazi or something? No, but he is an anti-Semite. Oh, okay. Uh, I, said, I, I read the quote la- uh, Oh, on no, the I read that episode. article recently about how his widow or something came out and was... Nah, now I can't remember it. Well, he said um, even a stinker like Hitler like didn't go after them for no reason uh, or something mm, weird something like ambiguous that. Something ambiguous where you're like, mm, I'll put you in a maybe category. It's like, you gave me a lot of things that I appreciate, but <laughs> yeah, just, now... Just shut it up. <clears throat> Don't say anything else. <laughs> um, what do you think of the acting? Um, uh, great. Uh, you know, kid actors don't really have to do a good job. They just have to, like, be cute and say their lines. And I don't think kids are sitting there like, mm, I don't feel like Mara Wilson was true to, was really, her verisimilitude was off. Uh, so I think they were fine. Um, yeah, I definitely and, think she was the best out of the kids, like, by a mile. Yeah. Um, I don't like, you never saw any of those other kids again. So they were just kind of like, thrown into it i guess piece of trash <laughs> yeah and i thought the adults were great like just the over the top they were all the epitomes of what they were supposed to be the gross the mean and the yeah, good and, and danny devito and ria perlman look like they're just having so much fun yeah i also hate when people say that because i'm like what do you mean they look like they're having fun they're acting it's yeah but like they were yeah they probably had fun yes yeah <laughs> oh, i feel like, like any on off the set yeah any set where there's Kids is probably pretty fun. Hopefully these days. Like what I hear about Stranger Things, it seems so fun. And like... Yeah, except apparently Trumbull... Trump... What's her name? Uh, <laughs> um, wow, a Trunchbull. Trunchbull. Yeah. Apparently she stayed in character. Yeah, which is so scary. <laughs> and I also wonder, like, did they add moles to her? Like, what they do? Like, were those her real teeth? Like... Ugh. Yeah. Gross. And then also, she's like some ambiguous nationality kind of east german yeah she competed in the 72, 72 olympics. olympics right <laughs> in which is was that the one with the hostage crisis? it was not the boycott which was 84 i looked it up <laughs> uh, we're trying to piece together our nation's history mm-hmm. um but it was not the one where there was there was one where there was a, the suspected the east german women's team had like suspicions that they were actually men there was a whole like scandal around that don't know how it ended up don't know what year that was but that's what i kind of like saw and she's got this like strange continental accent of some kind sort of british sort of german so um really just kind of plays into our our uh memory around germany memory (laughs) uh so uh so what what rating would you get for the for the acting um I'm going to go with a 4.5 again. 4.5. Feeling generous. I feel generous whenever there's, like, children involved. 
You know, what if this gets back to them? Oh, I'm, I'm tweeting to, this at Mara Wilson. To little if Bruce she, Bogtrotter. If she makes it an hour into this podcast, <laughs> she'll hopefully be satisfied. But I'm, give, I'm giving it a 3.75. Oh, jeez. Because Mara Wilson, she showed, like, that child actors can, are good. Like, Haley Joel Osment, fantastic. So you're like, come on, other child actors, step it up. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Lavender. What, was that her name? Yeah, Lavender and Hortensia. Yeah, Lavender in particular. I was like, okay, you're reading a cue card right yeah. now. At least she can read. That's important. Just like Matilda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, the humor. Humor. Um, I, I LOL'd at some point. I lots of loved at points. <laughs> uh, uh, probably, probably a four. Yeah. Yeah, I'm giving it a three. I was okay. like, this is fine. Yeah. Um, and now I get to look at all of the different movies that we oh made and kind, of, and kind of see uh, where Matilda ends up. So crunching the numbers, uh, Matilda, we gave that uh, a 3.89. Okay. Three, or 3.9 if you really want to be specific with rounding. So uh, If you were Matilda, you would be. She'd be like, um, actually. <laughs> so actually, interestingly enough, uh, this ranks uh, Matilda just a tiny bit better then Willy Wonka and the Chocolate oh, Factory. Oh, interesting. So uh, Willy Wonka was at a three. We gave it a three point seven nine, uh, and Matilda has a three point eight nine. What's the reigning champion right now? Can you reveal the reigning that? champion is currently the the Muppet movie, the original one. <laughs> I've never actually seen it, so it's just delightful. <laughs> uh, and also, Matilda is a little bit better than uh, the. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> we already said that it's a little bit better than Willy yeah. Wonka and the Taco Factory. I'm and sure having... Roald Dahl in his English grave somewhere is very happy. He's like, finally! <laughs> Recognition! Uh, and uh, Matilda is a little bit worse than Labyrinth. Another one I haven't seen. Goodness. It was deli- I watched it for the podcast and I was wow. like, this is cool. It, it's just being surrounded by uh, Muppets and stuff. How do you feel that there are actual kids out there doing podcasts like this? Are there? I'm pretty sure. I just read something about how there, there's like kid, kid-directed kid podcasts now for other kids. By kids for kids. Mm, uh, I mean, I'm assuming they sound bad. Probably. <laughs> I like, mean, it can't be. They're all just little lavenders. Yeah, they're all lavenders. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely cool. It's. Our podcast, like the new YouTube, and sort of just like, oh, let's try doing that. I guess so. Now I'm really curious to find a podcast created by kids for kids. Well, there used to be a thing on NPR. There was like kids doing little movie reviews and kids doing science things. Mm. And so. Well, because I mean, I, I know kids radio, like uh, Kids Corner with Kathy. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. They do like little reviews, as they should. They should train their critical eye early on so that when they get to that film 101 class at Temple University, yes. they say things like deus ex machina. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know me too well. Well, I also um, worked, uh, when I was at WHYY, I worked with uh, film critic Patrick Stoner. Oh, I don't know him. He's an eccentric fellow. Okay. Great guy. But he, I was just thinking, because he's starting... Uh, he's starting to do like more kids movie reviews. Oh, interesting. And my dad was like, oh, you should ask him to do the podcast. I'm like, I'm not going to ask Patrick Stoner. He he has like Emmys and <laughs> is in a Hall of Fame. I'm not going to ask him Gotta to... Ca- catch him on that career downslide when this is his saving grace. Uh, I mean, I'll have... Patrick, if you're listening an hour and 15 minutes in, I will have you on the podcast. But speaking of being on the podcast... Tess, thanks so much for being on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on said podcast, Ross. Yeah, this was oh, fun. It was a pleasure. Is there anything that you would like to plug or promote that's coming out in mid-January? Mid-January? Whew, you got six weeks left to see my improv team, Fan Club, Wednesday nights at Philly Improv Theater at 9 p.m. 
We're through February 2018. Don't know what year you'll be listening to this. Uh, So come on down. And otherwise, just like take care of yourself today. Have a make like a nice cup of tea for yourself, whoever you are. You deserve it. I had a cup of tea last night. It was delightful. It was tea delightful. And you can find this podcast. Uh, you can follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at KidFlixPod, or send us an email if you want to do that kind of thing. Because, I don't know, I got the domain, so why not <laughs> hold on to it while I still can. Um, so thanks for listening. Please rate and uh, review us on iTunes, and we will hear you next week. Go, go, Gadget, and show.